The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Miller Lite, and Hulu. Pleasure. Good evening, everybody, and welcome in. A heavy, heavy Top 100 celebration. The Centennial Scrapbook coming out in June by the Bears and written by Dan Pompey and Don Pearson. Certainly a big topic around town, around water coolers, around the city, and in your own home. If you're a Bears fan, you're talking about it. That's for sure. We're going to dip into that a little bit tonight. I'm Jeff Joniak, along with my broadcast partner, Tom Thayer, down in Maui, soaking up some sun before he heads back home here in short order to get ready for the 100 celebration and the summer in Chicago. Now that we actually have one big time, it is actually warm and nice out there. Kind of looking forward to coming home. I know there's been a weather changeover, and that's what everybody looks forward to in the summertime. But, you know, you mentioned that top 100 of the Chicago Bears. It's unbelievable to look at some of the historical pictures of the players that have come and gone through the Bears organization. And a lot of times you're re-reminded of the greatness that the Chicago Bears fans have been privileged to over the last hundred years. And it's going to be a blast to talk about, and it's, it's just going to be a lot of fun. Jim Miller joining us as well from his home in Michigan after his day on SiriusXM NFL Radio. I keep looking. You know, I, I've seen Anthony Adams on Twitter uh, having some fun with not being in the 100. I'm looking for Jim Miller. <laughs> no, it's not there. Congratulations uh, to Tom, by the way. And it is a great list. I was looking at some of those names today, uh, just scrolling through because I see, it, see it's made news and, and obviously all the great players in the history of the tradition. And you're right, you know, coming up, uh, celebrating the 100th uh, uh, anniversary, it's going to be a great weekend, the 7th through the 9th. And, you know, just to catch up with a, a lot of guys, and as Tom mentioned, you know, it just brings up great memories. You know, it's something special that, that you're a part of. And, and obviously for, for Tom to make that, that top that says quite a bit about Tom. So congratulations, Tom. Yeah, Tom, it Thank is you, a congratulations. Jim. And Jay Hilgenberg, uh, your good friend, uh, was in the top 20 as of today. And I spoke to him at length today. And what it does, it, it takes you back to your childhood. It really does about why you play the game, how you started, how you're connected to the game, uh, spiritually, professionally, physically, whatever the case may be. The love of the game is prevalent. And now, you know, Tom and Jim, when we do all these interviews with players, we always talk about today and how we often say, hey, listen, you're going to appreciate this one day and it's when it's in your rearview mirror. This is really big-time rearview mirror material, and it makes you think about all those great moments. And Jay talks about going to, to Wrigley Field, 1969, to see his Uncle Wally play against the Bears, and he sees George Hallis, and then in his first practice, there's George Hallis on the practice field uh, and, and watching Jay go to work. It's just – and then talking to uh, – to Steve McMichael today about being in the room, negotiating his first contract with Mr. Hallis. It's just, it's great stuff. These stories are going to be unbelievable that we keep hearing. You know, Jeff, I had an opportunity. I know Stan Jones was one above Jay, but Stan Jones had a great career. And the first time I was exposed to him was out of... And having an opportunity 
to meet the greatness of Stan Jones. But after I met him, to read about him and learn about the type of career he had, you know, switching offensive line to defensive line, making multiple Pro Bowls in both, being one of the guys that introduced off-season conditioning and weightlifting to the NFL. When you think about those ex-Bears and the footprint that they've left on the NFL, a lot like Charles Tillman has talked about today with the peanut punch, you get to meet some of these great guys that, you know, again, you get to learn about because of the history of the game, and now we're going to see them. A lot of these guys in the same area and you know, some of the young guys that have left their mark on the Hall of Fame, guys as young as Erlacher and stuff. Jim, uh, Walter Payton, number one on the list. There is no debate, right? Um, I, mean, we're, I would say this. How does George Allis not come in number one? But Walter is a, he's the one we all think about. Like I said, I, I just know how he impacted me as a kid. I, I always bring that story up that I wore those high-top kangaroos. And that's, that's got warm because of Walter. And that's what he wore. And my brother and I, I must have broke so many bed springs because my brother would be playing defense and I'd have to hurdle over him onto the bed for a touchdown. Uh, we probably went through about 15 beds. Free Jim, we all did that as kids. That's what you wanted to do. If you're playing in the park, if you weren't good enough playing regular football like me, uh, you'd play at the park after school and you'd want that handoff and try to go over the top with no yep. pads, no helmet. Could say a lot about me right now. Anyway, coming up, we're going to be joined by Akeem Hicks, another member of the top 104 Bears currently in that list put together by Dan Pompey and Don Pearson will talk about that and the 2019 Bears with Akeem Hicks. And coming up later in the program, another top 100 Bear, Tom's draft classmate, wide receiver Willie Gall. It's all coming up next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller breaking things down uh, the week that, that is and was top 100, major conversation, but also uh, OTAs getting underway, guys, and having the opportunity to be out there yesterday talking to the fellas. Uh, great expectation and anticipation for 2019. Everybody is buying in and ready to roll. Great attendance so far during the offseason program, and I expected nothing less. Said expectations, and what other word did you use? Anticipation. Anticipation. So let me. So when you think about the pieces being in place at the start of OTAs, because last year this defense was kind of piecemeal together at last moments, just with contract holdouts and injuries and young guys coming aboard. Are the expectations for this defense to be as good as they were at the conclusion of the season, or is there, are they going to have some growing pains? Yeah, you well, I, you know, again, I still go back, you know, you got the wrinkles with Chuck Pagano. So, you know, I think the players got to get a feel for him, how he's going to uh, call a game. Is he going to be as aggressive as, say, what uh, Vic Fangio was? You know, he's going to have certain, uh, uh, what do I want to say, just things that he believes in in certain situations that he's probably going to call. So I think those players still have to get a feel for him uh, from that standpoint. But expectations, I would think they expect to, that they're going to be better. And why shouldn't they? Younger players have gotten older. Here we've talked to Blau Nichols uh, this offseason. i got to believe Khalil Mack's going to feel more comfortable, uh, not only in his leadership role, but what's expected of him. I would think Leonard Floyd 
he's expected to to you know take a, a, the next step forward. And I think for uh, Roquan Smith, you know, how much is he going to grow? Your most growth is between your first and second year. How's that relationship coming along between the safeties? Now, when you look at Eddie Jackson working with uh, his old teammate from Alabama, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, so. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that certainly I think need to unfold, but I think the expectations overall is they should be better. Well, you they just believe they believe they should be. Yes, better. they definitely believe, and that's really most important. They do believe. They believe in this coach. They believe in Matt Nagy. They already uh, have said the same about Chuck Pagano. They have his respect. Eddie Jackson's words, uh, Prince Amukamara's words, and you just mentioned a bunch of guys that really had great years a year ago. And then you mentioned a bunch of guys that you are expecting to continue to grow. And I, and I go back to this word. I'm going to say it ad nauseum all the way through preseason and the regular season until we get to December. Growth. Yeah. Where is it coming from? Where is the biggest growth? Where does it need to come from? Because the team still has to grow. But some of these guys can develop into big-time stars like Roquan and Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. You, you know where I think it didn't get reported a lot last year, where I think Matt Daggy really showed – uh, I don't want to say maturity, but just experience uh, he, coming from a first-year head coach. You know, because I think a lot of coaches, and uh, I certainly would love to get your your take on this, Tom. There are a lot of coaches when a guy's banged up, oh, he, I can go, I can go, I can play. And think about those two games that Khalil Mack missed. I think those were some of the smartest decisions by Matt Nagy last year. He said, you want to know what? He's not 100%. Well, this is a marathon. With, let's get him healthy. Because I know a lot of guys, hey, you guys got a tweaked hamstring. Hey, I can go. They go out there. They end up, you know, tweaking it even more, and the guy misses another four weeks. You know, a couple times with certain, a couple of players, he was patient with that player to let's just get him healthy, and we'll be, we'll be better off and be a better formidable team if we just get the player healthy. And I think that was a smart decision in the long haul just by sitting Khalil those two games. It's unfortunate he tweaked his ankle, but ultimately – it benefited the team in the long run. And I, I think you, that's the maturity of the coach, Tom. I, I agree 100%, Jim. But you know what also it does? It makes sure the guys that are in a backup roles, that they're as important to the success of the team as the guy in front of them, and even if he's a big-name starter. So they say, okay, we have enough confidence in you, whomever it may be, that we're going to sit Khalil Mack or we're going to sit an, a guy that we need to get through a couple weeks before he's healthy. But we, we count on you. We know you can come in. And so I think, you know, it's, you know, even looking at Chase Daniels when he came in for Mitchell Trubisky, um, it, it's kind of this a similarity there is they have faith in Chase. They had faith in the guys that were going to come in and play for these guys that they were willing to rest. Or how about Eddie Jackson in the playoff game? You know, he, he was dressed and we thought he might play. But again, they do really appreciate erring on the side of caution for the long term benefit of, of each player on the team. And that worked in 2018. Will they be able to do that? And it worked that way in 2019. This is Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy. A couple of nuggets over the course of the, the OTA. Uh, the, the roster came out for the first time in the offseason. And you had some no, numerical changes based on position changes. So Bradley Sowell, and that's how his name is going to be pronounced from now on. Like Powell, it's Sowell. Uh, Mark Rohde tipped me off to that. Bradley saying, fellas, his stage name was Soul. Everybody was calling him Soul, but it actually is Sal. But he's now a tight end, a wide tight end, and he's going to work at that all the way through training camp and see where it falls. 
He's a super talented athlete. They would not even consider this change because he's a really good long snapper. He's a really good balanced offensive lineman that can play up and down the line. But when you're making a position change, that's kind of a fantasy of every offensive lineman that's played in the National Football League. Just think if I was good enough to score a touchdown, to catch a couple passes, to block some outside linebackers and DBs downfield. It's going to be fun to watch, and I hope Bradley, I hope he flourishes at it. Hey, I, I can't believe he wouldn't go with so well as, as the pronouncement because he caught that <laughs> right. touchdown so well. Yes, you know he did. Hey, no. and Jim, you know, if you had the opportunity to watch him in pregame, he throws one of the prettier balls you'll ever yeah. see. No, this I guy knew- was a great pitcher back in the day. He's got yeah. a great arm. Yeah, I knew a couple of uh, teams that he was on prior, and they said what a really good athlete uh, he is. You know, we've seen a lot of teams. You know, who's the young man who just got cut for Buffalo? Fisher, who was drafted as a tackle out of Oregon by Mm -hmm. Cincinnati. He was trying to make the the full-blown transition uh, to tight end. But Bradley is, one, he's really gifted, and I think if you want an inline blocking tight end, he definitely can be brought in in those situations, especially goal line situations, and it will benefit uh, the Bears from that standpoint to really hammer it in there. But he he impressed me with how good of an athlete he is, so it doesn't shock me at all that they're making that move. But I'd still consider more of a a six offensive lineman, so to speak, coming in in those those type of situations. Well, the big question is, you know, can a 312-pound, that's what he's listed, anyway uh, player shift to tight end at that weight I'm certain that he's probably going to have to shed a few pounds but still be in that range where you can still fill in yeah he's a valuable veteran yeah I wouldn't want him to shed too much because you know push comes to shoves we've seen it where tight ends have had to come in to play tackle it actually happened in Minnesota uh, uh, last year where they lost so many offensive linemen that is not a situation you want to be in and a guy like Sowell is really could be counted on if you know if called upon in a pinch uh, to play that role if need be and then take you know, it, it, okay, it, it could it could change terminology a little bit too because when all we, you know Jeff when you're broadcasting a game and you said okay that got a big package in that means that there are six offensive linemen out there now you could call it a mobile big package because you have a guy that's as big as an offensive tackle but he's good on his feet and I think defense Defenses are going to have to have different terminology for it with his size and his ability. That's Tom there, Jim Miller. I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is Bears All Access. With Adam Staszynski turning the dials here for us, helping us out, along with Shane Reardon and the fellas. They do a great job here at The Score. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lawrence Creedon cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, good enough to be joined by Akeem Hicks, the Bears Pro Bowl defensive lineman, number 75 of the Bears' top 100. Uh, I think it's pretty cool, Akeem. We talked uh, yesterday briefly at the OTA uh, and thanks for taking the time tonight. Um, just how crazy it is to be on that list when you consider how many players have come through this Bears organization in a century. Yeah, man, it's, it's an extreme honor. It's an extreme honor to even be considered as one of the best uh, Bears that have been here in this long history. I, I, when I saw it, I didn't. I saw it coming out, and I didn't think that I would be on the list. But when it came up, man, there was nothing but smiles over here. I called my mom, told her about it. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, Akeem, you got to look at the mark that you've left on the Chicago Bears in the process of make, or getting this team from where it was to how good it is now. So it, it's, it's the significance of what you've been able to do with your teammates and for your teammates, the reason that you're on that list. 
It, it was amazing, man. I um, and you know what? We got a couple of guys that I'm sure will be on that list in the coming years, right? You think we got about guys like Danny Trevathan, you know, somebody that's been here just as long as I have and has been, you know, contributing a lot throughout his time here. So, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, Nakeem, uh, congratulations, Jim Miller. And, you know, I, I always, it strikes me going back, you say, I signed with the Bears to build something here. I want to be a part of building something. And, you know, it is being built right now as we speak, but it's not quite done, uh, I, I think, has got to be your assessment. I mean, just talk about that because you have been instrumental in starting to build something for the Chicago Bears. Isn't that beautiful, though, man, to, like, be a part of something and, and watch it go from the, grow from the ground up? You know, we had two tough seasons, 3-13, and 5-11, and 11, and then we come out and we have a 12-win season. You know, something that a lot of players that come in the NFL and leave before they ever get a chance to see a successful season like that, you know? And so it, it's a blessing. And what I'll say is this, you, you're completely right in saying that we're not done yet. You know, once you get a taste of, of, of success, uh, if you're a real competitor, you're going to want more. And um, I, I think with the performance that we had last year, I, I feel like a lot of guys feel like we're chomping at the bit and we're right there and we're, we're, one, uh, we're one play away from being in that big game. Akeem Hicks, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. And, and i got to give this to you because even when things appeared to not be going well or in the end the record wasn't what you thought it should be, this team was still trying to build, you were always all, you were in. You were all in about what was being built even with past administration, with John Fox here, you you were very positive, and you do speak your mind. You're not one to just throw smoke out there. What <laughs> was it about what was start? I mean, maybe you just looked in the mirror at yourself, say, "Hey, I'm a big piece of this, so I know where we're going." I, I don't know. That may be it, but wh- why did you feel so strongly about it even before last year? I, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Pace. I, I just have a lot of belief that he's going to bring the right type of guys in because I watched him do it when he added pieces like myself, Jarrell Freeman, Danny Trevathan, you know, guys that were, you know, really good players around the league and, and, and needed to be together in order to have the type of success that we wanted to have. And um, just watching him build a roster is something that is really special. And, and I know it's my GM, and I know like I'm, <laughs> it sounds like I'm brown-nosing, but if you really see the, the culture that we have in our locker room, there's just a, it's a great group of guys. And it goes past our locker room when it goes to – you know, upstairs in the scouting department, in, in, in the cafeteria. We have so many people in our building that just want the best from this organization that uh, I, I think that that's what makes us successful. Hey, Akeem, in 1984, the Bears lose the NFC Championship game in San Francisco, and there's a lot of talk about the legendary speeches that Dan Hampton gave to his teammates on the ride home about what they were going to accomplish next year. Going back to the end of that, the last game this last season, was there any messages that you took away from the locker room that maybe you and your teammates shared together about what the future is going to bring? As far as the end of this year? Yeah, at the end of this year, like maybe a conversation from that, that losing locker room that guys talked <laughs> about what you guys are going to accomplish going forward. It was painful, man. It was, it was painful. It hurt a lot. It was um... – you, you really can't explain that feeling unless you're in it, you know. And you see that we have um, what we wanted out of the season and what we were prepared for, and then we find ourselves sitting in the locker room after a, a, a missed field goal, and we're all looking at each other like, "What happened?" You know. And this is this is not a blame towards anyone, but it's it's a heck of a way to walk off the field, and um, 
that pain and that feeling and that hurt, uh, you really look at each other and you say, man, we want better for ourselves. We we want to we know what type of talent we have and we know what type of team we can be and there's no reason that we should have to lose the game that way. So uh, I think that we just use that as motivation. There wasn't a specific conversation. It was more so everybody recognizing the hurt and recognizing that we we, we wanted more for ourselves and and saying we're going to go get it. Well, just getting a feel for your defensive coordinator. I know he's getting a feel. He's getting to know you guys, developing relationships. We've talked about that before, too, Akeem. But, you know, it's one thing trying to talk things out in meetings, say, hey, in these situations, maybe expect me to blitz. But And then going to the game setting and really getting a feel how, how a coach calls the game. Do you think you're starting to get a feel uh, of of what uh, of how Chuck Pagano one is presenting the material and really how he is, he expects to call and is letting you know how he's going to call a game as it approaches. Well, I'm not going to tell you how we're going to call the game, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but what I will say is this, man. Um, coach is he's just he's a different type of coach, right? Um, I, I would say that uh, him and Vic have a lot of similarities, but they also have just as many differences. Uh, I would say this about Chuck. Chuck is very. Um, Chuck is a people person, man. He just um, he understands you, and he wants you to understand him. And he thinks that the best way for us to be a successful team is that we have that, exactly that, a good understanding of what we want from one another, right? He knows that he came into a situation with a great locker room, with a great group of guys that are, are, are self-motivated, focused, determined, all those things. And all he has to do is put us in the right position and watch us flourish. And, and I think that's the way that he's approaching it. This is Akeem Hicks, Pro Bowl defensive lineman for the Chicago Bears, joining us here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Ali Galt, the former Bears first round, will be joining us as well, looking ahead to the 100 celebration in Rosemont coming up in June. Akeem will be there. You'll be on a panel with some uh, other great players. I talked to one of them uh, today, Richard Dent. Uh, and it's interesting what motivates people, right? And you, you just said it, though. I was just going to bring this up. You used the word self-motivated. Pagano's learning that there's a bunch of self-motivated guys in that room. You know, you're a self-made player. I mean, you came in with talent. They just weren't, weren't using you in the right way at, at, in other spots. And look at what you've become. And look at where you're going. You still, are, you still haven't tapped all of your own potential, and I know you feel that way. Mm. No question. No question, man. I, I, when I got here and, and, and I was under Vic and, and Coach Fox and Pace, the, one of the things that I appreciated about this organization was that they let you be you. And I think that um, that's, <laughs> I play the best that way. When you let me go in there, create havoc, tear stuff up, it's just um, <laughs> it's kind of what I was made to do, <laughs> you know. And um, I, I appreciate it every day. Sometimes I wake up and my girlfriend asks me sometimes, like, why do I love being a part of the Bears? Because they let you play how you need to play in order to be successful. They use you to your strength. And I don't think that's going to stop here with Chuck. You are the gentle. You are the guy who tears things up, but you're also the gentle giant and a real gentleman. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Anytime. Bears defensive tackle, Bears Pro Bowler Akeem Hicks, looking for big things here in 2019 as we move forward here on Bears All Access. Brought to you by IGS Energy. Join us for the PNC Chicago Bears 5K on Saturday, July 13th, and finish on historic Soldier Field. Register now at chicagobearscom 5K before prices increase. Always love talking to Akeem, and great to get reconnected with former Bears wide receiver, the speedster. The guy who's uh, he's a renaissance man. He does just about everything. And he's still a young young man. Willie Galtz joining the program. Willie, good to talk to you again. You're on with your 
former classmate Tom Thayer and Jim Miller, Bears quarterback. Good to have you on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Uh, you, you certainly don't sit still, and at this point in your life, are, are you still the same guy, not sitting still? Absolutely, never. And Tom, Tom, did I see you in, in Hawaii? Did we play together in, in the boat in Hawaii? <laughs> you know, after us being teammates with the Bears, I had to introduce myself to you and tell you that you and I were teammates in the hula ball. <laughs> But, you know, you were, listen, you were world-class at that time, Willie. You were the world-class track athlete. You're the world-class speedster in the draft. So I'm even impressed that you still remember me. I think. <laughs> oh, no, you're my guy, Tom, for sure. <laughs> hey, Willie, um, you know, how, you know, I, I always, it seems like a lot of people talk to you about track and football. What was, what was more important to each other or did, did track help you become a better football player, or did football help you become um, a more of a trainable track star? I, I think they both complemented each other so well. Um, football gave me the toughness and track because I was a hurdler and a sprinter, so and it gave me the toughness to be able to compete. Uh, therefore, in football, track gave me the speed to know how to run and know how to get away from someone when I needed to and also uh, to train. I mean, I, I prided myself in being in better shape than anyone on the field, and I worked hard. And I try to get the best out of my abilities and also enjoy the game in the way it was meant to be as far as I was concerned. Willie, Jim Miller here, and one congratulations to you. And you look at that track background. Just, you know, when you talk about that 1980 Olympic team, and you've mentioned the carryover, you know, and how you had to train just for those events. And you get kind of one time. That's it. And kind of football, it's on to the next rep. It's always about that rep, that play. I mean, that, probably that mentality really carried over for you as well, i got to believe. Oh, absolutely. From a toughness standpoint, it's nothing like a sport like football. Football, hockey, those sports are really tough because you really get down and you're physical. Even though, I mean, I wasn't considered one of the toughest receivers. No, I, that, that wasn't my game. I was more of, of a finesse receiver and sp- speed. I think I scared guys by my speed because they didn't know when I was running fast and when I wasn't. Because what I tried to do was run the same way every time, whether or not I was full speed or half speed. And they didn't know until I was past them whether or not I was full speed or not. And from a uh, overall uh, commitment standpoint, track was amazing because I knew how to train. I knew how to get myself ready. I knew how to uh, be tough and physical in football when I had to be. And look, guys my size, I was okay, but guys bigger than me, it, you know, it didn't make sense for me to try to overpower them. It just made sense for me to go around them and, and through them. So. Former Bears first rounder Willie Gault joining the program, number 54 on the list of 100 Greatest Bears of all time, the Bears Centennial Scrapbook, featuring a list of those top 100 in franchise history, ranked by the Hall of Fame writers Dan Pompey and Don Pearson. Uh, are you comfortable with your seating on the list of 100? <laughs> 50, uh, well, am I 83 or 54? 54. Well, I mean, the, uh, the, uh, the ironic thing about that is that I, I'm number nine of seven or nine all time in NFL history as the greatest athlete. So, but. I guess I'm honored to be in the top 100 of the Bears. I don't know. It's okay. I mean, no. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know, you know, how they calculate it. But, you know, it's okay. I mean, it's, we have some great players. I mean, Walter Payton and, you know, Jeff Gersayers and Mike Singletary, all those guys are amazing players. I mean, we have a rich tradition, rich history. And, and that's good because we're actually one of the first teams, all the first teams ever to play in the National Football League. So I'm honored to be a Bear, and I remember my – my games, my teammates. It was a time to reflect and uh, memories that I'll have with me forever. So I'm really pleased and really proud to be known as a bear and in the top 100. I could be yeah, out of Willie, the top 100, know, so that's a good thing. 
Hey, Willie, we always fantasize about if we still played the game today, how much different it would be. But if you imagine yourself, you got Walter oh in the gosh. backfield, they they know we're going to run the ball, then they and then you got third down, they know that we're going to throw the ball to you or get you down there. If you had the offenses up today with all that RPO deception at the line of scrimmage, do you think your speed would even be more of an asset when you see guys like Deshaun Jackson, their ability to get you know on the other side of defenders? You think this modern day offense would your speed would be more of an asset? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, Kansas City and Tariq Hill, the way they use him, and Odell Beckham Jr., the way he's used, Antonio Brown, the way he's used at Pittsburgh, and now I'm sure the Raiders are using him in the same way. And it's just become a more uh, wide-open offense because of the rules. The rules are different now. You can't touch guys like it could me. I mean, with me, you could touch me all the way down the field. You could hit me in the head. You could hit me wherever. But now you can't do those things, so it makes it uh, more uh, lucrative or, or available passing. And guys are catching 60, 70, 80, 100 passes. Now, if you don't catch 80 to 100 passes, you, you didn't do anything. And, you know, Tom, we as the Bears, we had a guy named Walter Payton. So he was a runner, and he was a great runner, the best ever, in my opinion. Uh, so it, we didn't get that many passes. But, you know, I still feel really blessed. I let my team meet you. I was there for five years in receiving, even though it was 30 or 40 catches. But still, I was really pleased to be able to help my team in that way. It was a team offense. It wasn't individuals. I mean, the good thing about our team is that we didn't have a bunch of individuals who were just all about themselves. We had a real team. Guys played together. Guys knew their roles. I mean, my role was I'm going to run fast almost every play, and I'm going to hit the ball maybe two or three times a game. And that's okay. But I'm going to clear it out for Walter, clear it out for Dennis McKinnon, clear it out for Emory Moorhead and some of the other guys, and that was okay because that was my role, and we all had roles to play, and the end result is that we won a Super Bowl, and that's was something that we'll always be Super Bowl champions. No one can ever take that away from us. I'll, I'll take it further, Willie. I mean, you think about your speed. You look at these jet sweeps today or these shovel passes. I mean, your number would be called a lot, my friend. I mean, it's, did you ever have a, a reverse for a score? Did they ever call reverse that you, you took a yeah, reverse? Yeah, to, to the... I, I did have a couple uh, reverses, and uh, I loved it because I ran punts and kickoff back too. So I really enjoyed that type of stuff because it gave me an opportunity to, to use my speed and, and to stretch the defenses and, and to keep them off balance. I mean, the thing, when I came to the Raiders even, Al Davis said, let's just throw the ball deep the first period of the game. I don't care if I complete it, but what it does, it relaxes the defense and makes them worry about it, makes them think about it. And, I, I mean, I knew I was the fastest guy on the field at any time I was on there. Uh, so I knew I had that advantage. And, and even when we played you know, Washington Redskins, Dale Green, who was really fast also, I knew I could beat him because when you're that fast, like Dale was just as fast as I was, but – he would take any move because he thought he could recover, but for me, he wouldn't be able to recover. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that made uh, me really relish in the speed part and knowing how to run, knowing how to you know make guys think I'm running when I'm not. Willie Gold, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller. And Willie, I beg your pardon. You are correct. You are 83. Typo on my part. Just ahead of your buddy Tom Thayer, number 84. <laughs> so I, I apologize about that. But so you mentioned Daryl Green. Two, two things, if you can uh, compartmentalize these two things. One, one of the iconic plays in that Super Bowl year, obviously, was Jim McMahon coming off the bench, Minnesota. Walter Payton makes the key blitz block. and Seven-six-yard touchdown later, right? You're right. Willie got loping down. And I, and I remember it so clearly because back then – you know, that was the first year I was covering sports in town, and I covered training camp, but I didn't get to go to all these big games. I was just a young reporter, but I remember we always had we always had Bears viewing parties, and I just remember that one. The place erupted. Needless to say, it was a rough morning the next morning. 
Everybody had a great time. This, so talk about that play. But second, you mentioned Daryl Green. What were your matchups like with him? Who won more of those battles? Because you were considered the two fastest guys in the league along with Ron Brown. Well, always Daryl Green. When I played him, I worked extra probably two or three weeks before the game. I worked extra after practice. I ran extra because I, I knew he would be ready and I wanted to be ready. So uh, the good thing about it, I think I had three or four touchdowns against Daryl Green, most of them long ones because I was able to beat him. And then, of course, the kickoff return that year, the Super Bowl against them. Um, so, I mean, we we had our moments. And Daryl, in my opinion, was, was the second greatest a cornerback I ever played against. Mike Haynes was, a, was the greatest, and Dale Green was a close second. And he was a great guy, great guy on and off the field. I, I actually spoke with him about three weeks ago. We had a conversation, just say hello and catch up. A uh, guy I really respect a tremendous amount. He actually helped make me the receiver that I was and uh, helped in, influence me in, in the things that I did. So a gr- great, great defensive back. How about the Minnesota game? Oh, the Minnesota game was amazing. I mean, I, I remember the, the play like it was yesterday. It was a play that was a, you know, a, a call play. Uh, the guys blitz, and the middle was wide open, and I go, oh, my gosh. And then I ran, and by the time I looked up, I saw the ball come, and I said, great, just catch the ball. And that was it. It was, I mean, it was over before it started. You know what's funny about that also, that game and that specific play? I got inserted into that game after Kurt Becker had hurt his knee. And so I was in my stance, and I didn't have a lot of time to work blitz pickup with Walter Payton. And depending on the depth of that blitzer, sometime it could be my guy, or and then Walter would take take my guy. But I'm going, I pray to God, and in my stance, <laughs> like the snap count was a half hour long. I hope I make the right decision. And I stayed with my guy, and Walter lit up Joey Browner. If, if we would have not been Perfect. thinking on the same page, Jim would have got hit. Yeah. They might have fumbled the ball, and that play would have never happened. But thank yeah. God for Walter Payton being as, as intelligent as he was about his assignment in relation to the offensive line. Well, also, I mean, the offensive line, too. You, the, the, the thing about being a receiver is that, I mean, it's no, no secret. you got to get the play called. Our line has to block. The quarterback has to throw the ball. The defense has to have the right defense. All those things have to play in the part before you can be successful. So, that play, everyone did their job, and it was right, and I caught the ball, and then that was it. So that was a great play, and it was called on Monday Night Football, I guess, by was it Dan Deardorff and O.J. Simpson. It was O.J. Simpson and, and uh, someone else it was. But, yeah, it was a great call. It was Monday Night Football. When Monday Night Football was really Monday Night Football, it was on ABC, and the world was watching. It was great then, and uh, that was a great time. Well, they were going to see when you, grow, when you grow up as a, when you grow up as a kid and you watch Monday Night Football, you always think, "I want to be on Monday Night Football, making a big touchdown," and that was my opportunity. You had a lot of prime time opportunities, and we'll be seeing you shortly in Chicagoland for the 100 Celebration Weekend. You looking forward to it? Yes, looking forward to it. It's going to be great to see all my my friends and and family and and fans, and I can't wait to see the, the guys who I, I, I consider my family. So. Some of the guys I haven't seen in a little while, but some of the guys I see frequently, like Richard Dan and Otis and Jim McMahon. I saw Jim a couple weeks ago. We played golf together, so I'm looking forward to seeing the gang again. It'll be a good storytelling weekend, that's for sure. Willie Gall, our guest, and join us for Bears 100 Celebration Weekend in Rosemont, June 7th through the 9th. Player autographs, photo ops, football panels, activities for all ages. You get your tickets today at ChicagoBears.com. You heard just some of the many stories we're going to be throwing at you when you come out to the convention. Let's take a break here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. 
Join us for the PNC Chicago Bears 5K Saturday, July 13th. You'll finish on historic Soldier Field. Register now at chicagobears.com slash 5K for prices increased. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score brought to you by IGS Energy. Just heard from Akeem Hicks and Willie Galt back-to-back to a very good conversation on this, fellas, and they get you excited about the game of football. I, I, I honestly... Yeah, Tom, we're going to be involved with this 100, and it's going to be back-to-back-to-back some great panel discussions. But the research that you're doing, the research I'm doing, just there's so many stories that you want told. Some you want to learn more about. Some have been told 50 times over, but you want to hear them again. It's just going to be it's just fun learning more about the journeys of everybody involved here. You know, Jeff, some of them are going to be like starting a lawnmower and letting that engine run. Because <laughs> as soon as you introduce a topic, a sentence, or an or just an experience you had on the field, there's 10 different sidebars that go with each one of them throughout my career, throughout Jim's career, and all the times we've been able to watch football. And I think that's the neat thing about it because – Players, when they're play are active players, they're a little bit reserved about storytelling. Then they get the opportunity to f- draw back on the, these examples of fun, camaraderie, teamwork, and even some of the examples that we talk about losing the '84 na- uh, championship game, and then this year's experience. So, you know, not everything is great, but every experience molds you in one way or another. Yeah, it, it's true, and a lot of it is sometimes off the field, as Tom mentioned, whether it's just locker room humor or training room humor or, you know, in the cold tub humor where you're kind of bonding at, at training camp. You know, I, I I just can never forget some of those days up at Platteville when uh, training camp was in Platteville and just some of the stories that would happen and, and unfold, and it did. It made our team stronger, I really believe. But, you know, it's, it's stuff like that that you remember that I think really bond a team that, that Tom's talking about and really solidifies those relationships going into the season. Tom, I had a talk with Steve McMichael today. You can imagine what that was like. That was awesome today. He was uh, you no. It wasn't a conversation. Ming was telling you. <laughs> he was. He was telling me. But but a couple of, of nuggets about this and, and the realization that he's in the top twenty of all time Bears. Uh, played so many games, obviously, before Patrick Manley broke that uh, games record. But you were the one that always brought it to my attention. Just how impactful a player he was. Forget about stats and everything. Just how smart he was, and how he played off of everybody, and how everybody played off of him. And in, in the realization that when you break it all down, he's the number one defensive tackle in Bears history. He's the highest ranking on that list in the top 100. He brought that to my attention as I hadn't broken it down that way. Obviously, Dan Hampton played some defensive tackle too. But defensive tackle, and it meant a lot to him. It means a lot to him. You know, Jeff... Guys like Steve McMichael and Dan Hampton inspired me because I was fans of those guys before I ever had a chance to be a teammate of them. But then I saw how dedicated they were to the life of being a great Chicago Bear. And I think it inspired a lot of guys on the football team. And I know that I was one of them. All right, we're going to take a break. I'm out of here, guys. I'm going to send the baton to you and Tom. Jim Miller, you guys are going to take him the rest of the way. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay with us. One more segment to go here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back, everybody, to Chicago Bears All Access here on The Score. Along with Jim Miller, I am Tom Thayer. And we're having a chance to catch up with Willie Gall, Akeem Hicks, looking for the Bears' 100-year celebration anniversary. It's going to be a great time. But, you know, Jim, we've been talking to a lot of 
players, active players, and, and ex-players with the Bears. But, you know, this offseason, we really haven't talked about Mitchell Trubisky very much and what he, ha- he can accomplish in OTAs. Because it's not only timing with his receivers. What does he have to continue to develop from just the quarterback position that's going to help him in the future? Yeah, I, I think it's just overall everything. You know, it's kind of a deep dive. Here he's going into year three. Now, normally year one, you're kind of – you know, just learning your position and your offense and what your offensive players are doing. And then year two, you understand what defenses are doing a little, a, a little bit more. And I think he, he definitely made that jump last year. And I always bring that up about that last game against Minnesota in Minnesota. He beat the Blitz twice in that. So you you know it's starting to register what he's seeing uh, defensively. And, and now here going into year three, you kind of put them all together. He'll understand looks uh, a lot better in reading coverages, diagnosing them, know exactly what they're trying to do, and now how to attack them. So I think you're going to see advancement there uh, from Mitchell Trubisky. I think an expanded playbook because more is going to be introduced from from Matt Nagy. He's got the the base stuff down, and they've added a little bit more, so he feels comfortable with all that. Now they're going to add more, and it's getting comfortable with the new concepts that he's going to be uh, doing. And then, of course, the the players that are around him. You know, he's going to get to know Ridley Ridley, you know, new players that are there. Hey, Bradley Soul, the guy's playing tight end. Get to know how he runs routes, how he, you know, option routes, things like that. Has new uh, running backs in the in the backfield. When you look at David Montgomery, hey, how, number one, how does he even run routes out of the backfield that you get a feel with, uh, just his body language. But, you know, even handing, out, handing the football off to him, mesh points from, from that standpoint. So, you know, overall it's just, you know, it's continued growth, uh, but it's, you know, it's, more elevated now because he, he is gaining more experience every single day and more comfortability uh, in the offense. And, you know, I think it's going to be all good because this is what I love about him. Tom, he's not afraid to work. You know that and I know that. This guy will put in the work necessary because he wants to be great. And that's, that's a positive. It definitely is a positive. You know, you, you talk about the players that were there last year and you can kind of have conversations from examples that you've already lived through. But now when you're trying to learn some of these new receivers um, that are going to join the Bears throughout OTAs and training camp and stuff, that information, does that come from the receivers coach exclusively? Or does Mitch have a hand in having conversations about the way he sees a route or the way he sees a defender's pre-snap positioning? Yeah, I think he'll he'll be able to give some feedback. Certainly, a lot. Obviously, the first comes back from the receivers coach, and then Mitch say, "Hey, you know, maybe versus this man-to-man coverage, I'm expecting you to cross the, the the defensive back's face even harder, or you know, this is you know, this is what I see and what I need you to do. Say against this zone coverage, I'd like you to throttle it down just a little bit more when say you you see a cover two and you're coming in uh, on a deep in cut." Or, or something like that and say, hey, maybe expect the ball right around the hash marks or something like that is where I'm looking to drill it on this particular play versus this particular coverage. So I think all those things are, are all good. It gets everybody on the same page of what to expect because when it happens again, you should be able to nail it because it, it really should only take one time now because he's an experienced player. He's played a lot of football now. It should only take one time, and that should be put to bed, and then you're on to something else that you're trying to correct and get on the same page. You know, I was looking to kind of go off the the road here a little bit. I was looking, reading a little bit about Dak Prescott, and they said one of the hindrances to his future negotiations is long ball accuracy. And I think that's the same thing for all quarterbacks that come into the league. 
Is that something you repetitiously work on just by throwing passes over 20 yards? Or is there a specific technique that can take these young quarterbacks that are early in their career and you can turn that into one of your strengths rather than something that they're, you know, that's holding you back? Yeah, well, you definitely can work at it. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, some guys, they throw too flat of a long ball. You know, there is, depending on the coverage and things like that, you've got to be able to sometimes drop it in the bucket where it just makes it easier on the receiver because too flat of a throw can become difficult. And plus, the defender has the ability to to knock down too flat of a football. I'll give you the guy this year who came out in this year's draft who kind of throws a flat long ball is is, uh, Drew Locke. The guy, uh, uh, or excuse me, the Denver Broncos drafted. If you watch a couple of his th- long ball throws, it's too flat. Like I watched the game versus Florida, the Florida cornerback batted down like three of his long balls just because he didn't have the proper, you know, the proper elevation on the ball in, in terms of the height and the trajectory of what it could come in at. But yeah, just working on it. You just at the end of every practice, plus it's working on your arm strength. You know, you go out there, you throw, hey, you know, five down the middle, five down the left sideline, five down the right sideline, and and try to manipulate that football and you know predicting against different looks of how you want the trajectory uh, to really you know get more accurate and better at at throwing the long ball. You know, too, is this is when coaches always tell you that you have the ability to make mistakes in these types of practices because if you can make a mistake, that may be a strength later. When you when that same opportunity returns itself, so you know it's kind of the mindset you have to go out there, no matter what position you play. That if you're going to try something new, if you're going to try to develop a technique as a defensive lineman or something different as an offensive lineman, linebacker, whatever, this is the only time in the luxury of your career you have a chance to make a mistake. Yeah, and hey, and try and simulate it. Like you said, if if you're working on all those things, simulate how it's going to be in a game because that's when you really got to react and. You know, when you have to pull the trigger, if you've kind of there done that and have kind of prepped for it and prepared yourself for that moment, that's normally when you're going to have the success. But if you if you fail the first time, you know, hopefully next time you're you're better prepared to really make the play when it matters the most. Well, it's been a fun show. It's been a nice series of shows where we have a chance to talk to the active players and the retired players. And again, talking a lot about the 100-year celebration for the Chicago Bears. I really think the best is yet to come, whether it's being able to see a team a teammate behind closed doors or being up on the stage and have some of the great stories. Really looking forward to it. Looking forward to the show next week, Jim, and um, I know I'll see you soon, and good to talk to you. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Have a safe weekend. Good to be with you, Tom. You too. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Chicago Bears All Access. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Athletico Physical Therapy, and Ford.